Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry, Chapter 8, by Syntax 6, on Omniscribe. Rating, Explicit. Whatever her 33rd year had in store for her, it didn't seem to include a pizza. Mulder had tried, she'd give him that. Scully, he'd said, as they gathered their coats to go home. Let's go to Bernie's and grab that pizza. What do you say? She said yes, because no one would have put her alone in her apartment, ticking off the seconds on what was liable to be her last birthday ever. Bernie's was just loud enough to drown out the thoughts in her head. Their order placed. They played chicken over a plate of tortilla chips. Mulder crunched a half dozen in quick succession and then waited her out his gaze flicking from her face to her nachos. But she was saving room for the pizza. Happy birthday to you. Somewhere in the back of her mind, it registered that someone else in the room shared her birthday. But she paid the waiters no mind until they stopped at her elbow with a sparkling snowball. Mulder's grin nearly split his face in two. I didn't know it was your birthday, Scully. No, a cheeky lad he was. She figured he assumed her birthday was the day before. It's not like he made any effort in the past. Mulder, you've never remembered my birthday in the four years that I've known you. That's how I like to celebrate it. Every four years. It's like dog years that way. Dog years. Thank you. She smiled, even though she was the dog in that scenario, eyeing the pink marshmallow confection, She wondered what Emily Post would say on the delicate eloquent of vending machine cakes. Did she really have to eat it? I got you a little something. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. He wiggled the straw between his teeth and handed her a small, wrapped, wrapped present, which she accepted with some trepidation. She wasn't sure which would be worse, a silly trinket or an expensive bauble. For a one-time purchase... A person could go all out. Apollo 11, she said, as she looped her finger through the keychain. Mulder grinned and bobbed his head, obviously pleased. She forced a smile. I'm touched. Read the back. She read the commemoration of the 1969 mission, but still didn't get a glimmer of understanding. I was born in 64, she thought. Not 69. Mulder ducked his head. It's a... But then a woman showed up with the news that 134 people were dead, perhaps including sweet loser Max Finnig. So again, there was no pizza. That night, they squeezed themselves into the NSTB briefing room to hear the tape played, and four dozen men and women falling silent to listen to a pilot's anguish. Scully leaned against the wall, mostly out of sight, and thought of 134 gravestones all in a row. Died. February 23rd, the day she was born. 24 hours later, she was back at Bernie's again, this time with a witness in custody and a drunken lab tech slurring birthday greetings at her. I'm with someone, she told Pendrel, when he grabbed her arm and offered to buy her a drink. Pendrel looked over at the tall man in army fatigues, sitting at her table, and his face melted from apprehension to relief. She wondered who he had been expecting to see. Let me buy him a drink, too, Pendrel said. Scully frowned. 
The last thing she won was Pendrel stumbling around, attracting more attention. No, it's okay, she said, even as someone bumped her from behind. Some guy on the television sunk an impressive basket and the crowd erupted in firework displays of waving arms. Scully threaded her way back to Sergeant Fierce and cast a glance around the room. The rodeo-like atmosphere wasn't as welcome when she had to watch every merry patron with a suspicious eye. A familiar face near the door drew her up short. Lanky with an angular face and comical mustache, he jerked his gaze away. Something about the way he was standing. Get down, she hollered, just as the first shot exploded. But for Pendrel, the warning came too late. A hapless hero. He launched into the path of the bullet before it could reach its intended target. Scully felt herself ripped open as well, torn between tending to the fallen agent and chasing the escaping assassin. She tried a mix of both, succeeding at neither, until at last, dropping to her knees beside Pendrel. We still haven't celebrated my birthday, Pendrel. I'm not going to let you off the hook like this. Pendrel wheezed and blood bubbled from his chest. A moment later, the EMTs took him away. Scully felt a tickle under her nose when she wiped her nose with her hand. It came away wet and warm. She dug out a wad of tissues. As the ambulance lights disappeared from outside, she and Pendrel became blood brothers by proxy, the red seeping towards each other on the thin cotton. When Skinner arrived, she had precious few answers to give him. He, in turn, had a web to weave about a cover-up poised to land both Frisch and Mulder in military jail. Scully glanced to where Frisch had waited with a group of D.C. officers. This man has damaging evidence about the case of that plane crash, and his life is in danger. The military is responsible for downing that plane. They are admitting as much, Skinner said tersely, but Frisch's story is not the one they're telling. What is their story? Skinner ignored her, grabbed her wrist, and drew her up so the bloody tissue was between them. His eyes accosted her of the different kind of cover-up. I'm not going to put another agent's life in jeopardy just to keep her in the field. I'm fine. I suggest you make sure of that when you go to the hospital with Agent Pendrel. She passed muster with both the ER staff and Dr. Alton, who frowned at the blood flecked all over Scully's shirt. It's not mine, she told her, lifting her chin in defiance. I'm not sure that's better, Dr. Alton said. She gave Scully a concerned look and then looked at the ER's records. What happened? There was a a shooting tonight. An agent was hurt. He wasn't even on duty at the time. I'm sorry. Dr. Alton set the paperwork aside and met Scully's gaze directly. I hope he'll be okay. Scully looked away. He died in the ambulance on the way here. The bullet pierced his lung. I'm so sorry. She squeezed Scully's hand. You must have been standing pretty close, she observed, as she touched the dried blood on Scully's sleeve. Are you sure you're okay? I treated him, tried to stop the bleeding. Dr. Alton's tone was sympathetic. I'm sure you did everything you could, and I'm glad that you're okay. Scully nodded again, barely listening. She had been thinking in the car on the way over how strange it was to walk around dragging a death sentence behind her like a ball and chain. How bizarre it was that she'd adjusted to its weight. But Pendrel had risen that morning none the wiser. 
birthday girl, he'd called her. She was beginning to feel like a macabre, bookend surrounded by so much death. Can I go now? She asked Dr. Alton. I don't see why not. Take it easy tonight, will you? Get some rest. Sure. Breezy lies came easier these days. Dr. Alton signed her release papers and Scully collected her coat. She walked out of the chaotic ER into the relative quiet of the waiting room. Skinner stood up at the side of her. Everything okay, he asked. Fine. She gave him a curious look. I didn't know you were out here. He shifted uncomfortably and glanced around the room. Sit down, Scully. I want to talk to you. Sir, if Mulder has in fact been arrested... There's nothing we can do until morning. I already checked. Repeatedly. Just. He waved his hand at the chairs. Sit for a minute, okay? Scully followed him to a quiet corner and sat stiffly on the very edge of her chair. She put her hands into her pockets as Skinner lowered himself into the seat next to her. What is it, she asked. Skinner took a deep breath. I'm asking you to be honest with me. Mulder won't. He'd swear the moon was made of green cheese if he thought that's what you wanted. In her pocket, Scully felt the cold, hard metal of the Apollo 11 keychain. Moon, she thought, darkly amused. She clenched it tightly. Are you suggesting we've been lying to you about something, sir? Not lying. He chanced to look at her. She met it head on. I know you want to keep working, Agent Scully, and I want to support you in that decision. But in order to do that, I have to be sure that your illness is not jeopardizing your safety or the safety of the agents around you. Scully went rigid. If this is about tonight, about Pendrel, it isn't. At least not directly. There is no way you could have prevented what happened tonight. I know that. Then I don't understand the problem. The problem is, he broke off and tried again. A few months ago, you said you were strong enough to keep your job, and I didn't question that. Here we are weeks later, and I don't know a damn thing more about how you're doing. You say you're well enough to keep working. Okay. But what about next week? What about next month? Scully felt herself flush under his censure. The medallion grew slippery in her palm. I am doing my job just as I always have. If you have specific doubts, I wish you would share them. Otherwise, you'll just have to trust me, she paused. That's all I ever asked of Mulder. Skinner bit back a curse. I don't want to take your job from you. I just don't want to see you get hurt. The day's emotions came welling up, and Scully swallowed them back down. You can't stop it, she said hoarsely. And Skinner turned his head. She slipped her hand out of her pocket and reached across to take his hand. In her other pocket... The keychain gave her something tangible to push against. We're all at risk, she told Skinner. Every minute of every day. I'm no different. Skinner opened his mouth and shut it again, but he didn't pull away. My father used to say that a big part of life was just showing up, Scully continued. And that's what I intend to do for as long as I can. It's all any of us can do is show up and hold on tight. Skinner didn't say anything. He turned to look at her again, and she did her best to smile. He twisted their hands so his enfolded hers. He held on tight. Sometimes, 
Mulder mused as he stood with Scully in Max's trailer. It wasn't such a bad thing to be unwanted. The army had let him loose from jail, and the aliens had tossed him back with the rest of the passengers. Scully moved to leave, and he followed her. It's still early, she said, as they walked across the damp night earth. And I'm going to be gone half of tomorrow. We could probably finish up the reports tonight if you want. Maybe we could finally get that pizza. He stopped. There's no hurry. If we can't finish tomorrow, we can do it on Monday. Why wait? The NSTB will want to see our findings as soon as possible. I'll make sure it gets done tomorrow. Mulder. She tilted her head at him, teasing. Normally, you're quite willing to spend the evening at the office with Greasy Takeout. You have a hot date or something? When he didn't answer, her smile faded. Oh. It's not really a date date, he explained, as they began walking again. I owe her dinner from the last time. When I rudely interrupted with my little emergency. I remember. Scully. It's fine, Mulder. I would cancel except I already bailed on her last night. She probably hates me as it is. No, Scully sighed. I'm sure she doesn't hate you. You're right. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to finish the reports tomorrow morning. Go and have fun. Only the way Scully said it, it sounded vaguely threatening. Uh, not too much fun, he replied. It's just dinner. Right, you mentioned. We'll probably just grab a burger or something. Mulder, you don't need to give me an itinerary. I don't care. Liar, he thought. Maybe she was irritated about changing plans midstream. Even when she didn't write it down, Scully always had her schedule detailed in her head. We can get a pizza this weekend if you want. Scully halted in her tracks. Mulder, listen to me very carefully. I do not care about the pizza. Okay? Okay. But as he walked to the car, he made a note to have one delivered to her. She needed to know he was paying attention. Hey, Miranda greeted him when she opened her door. You look like you've been through the ringer. It's been a long week, he agreed. I'm sorry I couldn't make it the other night. I was in military jail. Yeah, that's what all the guys say, Miranda grinned and gave him a quick hug. You're all right now, I hope. There's no jail strong enough to hold me. She laughed as she pulled away. Let me grab my things and we can go. How does cheap Mexican sound? Perfect. I'm starving. Bread and water diet not enough for you? She called over her shoulder. He patted his stomach. I had Scully bake me a cake with a file in it. How is Scully? She asked as she reappeared on the porch. Mulder sobered. She's doing all right, I think. She's back at work. It was her birthday this week. How nice. I hope you got her something good. He thought of Scully's face as she talked about the keychain and smiled. I think I did okay. Miranda directed him to another hole in the wall. This one called Tijuana Taquera. The decor is horrendous, Miranda whispered as they entered. But the tortillas about melt in your mouth. I would do unspeakable things to the chef to get his mole sauce recipe. The woman who took their order was as round as she was high. Mulder ordered the enchilada special and proceeded to do some serious damage to the chips. Is that the hat song dance I hear playing, he asked, looking around the orange room. Miranda tried to keep a straight face. Three guesses where it's coming from. 
Mulder's gaze settled on a plastic-potted cactus holding a guitar. Don't even tell me. I told you the decor was awful. This salsa is worth it, though, he said, as he shoveled the chunky sauce onto a chip. Good choice. He glanced at her. I'm kind of surprised you agreed to go out with me again. You're good company, she said. And I have something I want to give you. Consider it a belated Valentine's gift. Uh, Mulder squirmed in the booth. Valentine's had come and gone without registering in his brain at all. Randa dug out a wrapped package from her large shoulder bag and set it in front of him. You really shouldn't have, he said. She rested her chin on one hand, not looking the least bit uncomfortable. Open it. He ripped off the blue swirl paper and lifted the lid on the box. Under the tissue paper, he found a small stack of books. The top one read, When someone you love has cancer. These are yours, he said, lifting them out. She nodded. I don't need them anymore, and I figured you could use them about now. For the first time, she frowned a little. I don't know the specifics of her illness, so I just included all the ones I had. I hope that's okay. Sure, sure, thank you. He flipped open the top book to his table of contents. Recipes, alternative medicines, medication. The chapter called Love Making made him draw in a sharp breath. I, I can't accept this. Too late. Miranda sipped her beer straight from the bottle. I don't accept returns. He put down the books and shook his head. You don't understand, Scully and me. We're not like this. There's no way for me to do these things. Miranda smiled. Ah, but that's the easy part. You just do them. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.